this workshop, Kumbulaku workshop, you are allowed to ask questions. But in this workshop, we want to do what we call devotional disciplines ne? or devotional habits. Amen. And unfortunately, most of the things the church does not know, but as you can see, they are not here. And people keep saying, I want to know Jesus intimately. Of the disciplines, we have chosen eight of them. Of the eight, most of you know only at most three. Out of eight, most people, either they know the three, or at most they know four, but they can't even live two of those four they know. And so these are the things that we teach the church until the church can live in those realities. Amen. So we're going to see what we cover. That Kubel is going to cover them with. But as I say, it's very unfortunate that most of your friends are not here. But I, I do want you, especially young people, you have to grab them and understand them now. So we're going to cover... There's eight, but we'll see how, how much he can cover. Number one is study. How do we study the Bible? Most, most of you know to study, but you don't know how to study the Bible. Simplicity. Some of us don't know that simplicity is what God calls us to. Submission. What does submission mean? Guidance. How does guidance how does the spirit says solitude solitude is very important especially for young people how to learn to be alone with God when you just close shut other things out you know you're not playing with your stuff and service how to be a good minister and then we will look at meditation and there's also fasting. But of these ones, how many do you know? You know fasting, isn't it? Uh, most of you don't know what meditation. You know that meditation. But that's not biblical meditation. Most of you have a glimpse of service, but you don't know what it means to be a Christian servant. Amen. So I'm just going to ask that the Kubel just to come and take as few through some of those we can't cover all of them today and never learn so just be aware that we need to talk about so i'm just going to because we don't have an interpreter now our interpreter has gone a wall i'll ask just to try and mix amen Uh, amen, Malum. The Lord is good like that. Ne? So I have been asked for I should try and mix languages. <laughs> That's going to be a very challenging proposition, my, my brother. Uh, that does not mean I'm not fluent in Setswana. I can speak Setswana perfectly and very perfectly. Marie, there's things that are called habits. So once you get into a particular habit, 
we try and mara i'll try i'll try bazalwani to to do as 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 requested the lord is good like that as murti mutsepe has said idea today is to do a workshop on the 12 some call devotional disciplines others call spiritual disciplines the way Nagidongo approach my 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 session is you'll see although I'll be referencing scripture very very much, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is something that I learned from a book that I read a couple of years ago. I still rank it to be probably the best Christian book I've ever read. There's a couple of others that I've also read that I if it was according to me, it would be compulsory reading for all Christians. So one of the people that I have come to regard and I would encourage Christians to try and read as much of his writings as possible is this guy called Richard Foster. So if you know about Christian classics, if you define Christian classics properly, Richard, Foster's, Richard Foster himself, you didn't include him amongst what we call you know, writers of old. He's, he's, he's very much a contemporary writer in that he's still around, he's still writing, he's still young, if I may use that word, and all of those things. But in Tzadi Kualang, they are very deep, and they are very, they talk to the core of being a Christian. Ne. So I, I, tend, I tend to, Udong interpret Madam. Okay, thank you very much. So he, he, the way he writes, he tries to run away from what I call the commercial writing, but more to more to the sort of classic core type of writing, like the writers of old would write. Yeah, so a lot of the focus of his writings is around spiritual formation. So it's about getting to be intimate with God. Yes. So in, 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 so the, the book that I'm, so the sort of things that I'm going to talk about, he writes them in a book called The Twelve, Dis the Twelve Spiritual Disciplines. Yes, things that sort of help you in building a relationship with God. Now, I think it's very important from the outset that we understand that you see as people we tend to move from one extreme to the other. So in 
in the book that he writes when he talks about the spiritual disciplines it's, it's to say that you you should understand that this is not law this is not about being legalistic so this is about so so it's it's like I like to call it I don't know what framework is so today it's like a framework so this is something that you use to build a way of doing things for yourself in our pursuit of our faith in terms of how we practice our faith. So Richard Foster talks about 12 disciplines. Which is prayer. And Tatemotepe spoke about them. He talks about meditation. Who meditate. Yes, for meditate. I'm sure people understand. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Hey. Fasting. Study. So this four, he calls them the inward disciplines. So these are things that you do to develop yourself as a child of God. And then he talks about the other four that he calls outward disciplines. So this he calls them the disciplines to service the body of Christ. In service to the body of Christ. So he talks about simplicity. Um, simplicity. Yes. Submission. Submission. Solitude. Service. And then he talks about the last four, which is things that we do together as the body of Christ. So he talks about confession. He talks about guidance. He talks about celebration. And then he talks about worship. So these are the 12 disciplines that Richard Foster talks about. So these are the things that we, we as Christians should be pursuing. As a way of practicing our faith. Now remember in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then in the book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 21. The Bible tells us how we must be careful of living a life that is rules-based. So we must not find ourselves in bondage. 
For you shall do this, you shall not do this. You shall eat this, you shall not eat this. Because you see the tendency of people. They can turn something that is intended to be good. And turn it into slavery. Or when we talk about simplicity, for example, then we start creating rules about simplicity. Such that if you don't do it like this, then you are wrong. You should do it the way I do it. If you don't do it the way I do it, then you are wrong. You see, that becomes legalism. And I remember our call is to live according to the word of God. And that's very important to, to, to say before I delve into these spiritual disciplines. So, yes, so I'm going to talk to four of them, uh, study, guidance, submission, and simplicity. So out of the 12, now I'm going to talk about four. That's study, submission, guidance, and simplicity. So let's start with study. Can someone read from the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 2? Baroma chapter 12 verse 2. And also from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. Anyone with Romans chapter 12, verse 2? that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippi chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Hallelujah. So, the whole thing about study is about transformation. So, it's about your life being transformed into the image of God. You see in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says you need to be transformed through the renewal of your mind 
so that you may test what is the perfect will of God. So, the perfect will of God is contained in Scripture. So, that transformation that we need has to come through consistent study of the word of God. Now, what does it mean to study the word of God? Yeah, what does it mean? No, 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 you are right. You see, like, there's a difference between reading and study. You get my drift, ne? Yeah. Both of them. I could say we too. Ah, maybe that's a better way it is. So it says here it's giving ourselves to a careful examination of the word of God. Sure. That's exactly the way. You know, when we used to write exams, yeah. So you are examined. It's a, it's, a, it's a thorough look into something. So to test, examine your understanding of something. So study is giving ourselves to a careful examination of the word of God. And in study, we require concentration. Concentration. So you can't just casually read through the Bible and claim that you are studying it. You know, like when you read a newspaper, Study involves a lot of repetition. You see, I was taught that there's you start first by skimming through something. So to get an idea what is the issue, what are we talking about? Then after that, you come back and now you start reading with concentration. And then the other thing that's required is that you must be able to comprehend what you are reading. So here's the thing, Bazalwan. Many believe that women can multitask. In reality, there's no such thing as multitasking. You can, you can do one thing at a time. So I'll give you an example. This I have seen over and over and over. You drive in the morning, particularly when you are driving towards Sente. 
Then there's a car in front of you. This car takes forever to move. So it moves, then it stops. And then when everyone else has moved, then it moves. And then you find a gap to overtake this car. And then as you overtake, you look for what's happening in this car. And in the name of multitasking, someone is dressing themselves up in the car. That's what's called multitasking. But in reality, it's doing one thing at a time. You do your eyelashes, then you move a little bit. Then you do the next part of eyelashes, then you move a little bit. Then you do this, then you move a little bit. But anyway, eyelash. She knows I never said anything at Tukune. So she understands exactly what I'm saying. Uh, so, so the point that I'm trying to make is this, never alone. When you study the Bible, how how I am not convinced that you could be watching Mobango. And study your Bible at the same time. Because you see, you need to comprehend what you're doing. So you need to give attention to what you are doing. So what that requires is that you need to set aside appropriate time. A time in which you will not be disturbed. A time in which you can concentrate on what you're doing. A time in which you can reflect on what you are studying. So, in study, or rather, let me put it like this the difference between study and meditation. Is that in study, study focuses on analysis. So you dig deep. You 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 So so you go deep. You want to gain an understanding of that which you are studying. Are we together? Do we do we do we understand each other? Particularly young people, are you getting where I'm going? So, so, so to be to be a good student of the word of God. You can't just rely on reading the Bible. And please hear me well. Because you see, the Bible has a context to it. 
hobane lentswe bibili inan le tsela tsela yo ore kana ko yo engotseng ka yona gona le dintho tse tsa halang so we need reference materials that helps us to understand what the message of the bible is they don't substitute the bible as the word of god they only serves as help so you can't read a book that Mpho wrote that contradicts the message of the bible and then go with that book so whatever you use as reference material should help you understand what the bible says because the bible remains the authoritative word of god that has no error in it amen amen now study does not only okay before i get there let me make this point you see the things that we consume on an everyday life have a major impact on the habits and the attitudes that we develop so the perspectives that we have that we develop over time uh, by and large shaped by the things that we consume Yes, exactly. So it's about the things that you look at, the things that you read, the things that you listen to. So those are the things that really inform our worldview. Amen. So I think I think really that's that's the sort of thing that I want to challenge you to that you need to when you talk about study you really need to decide that as a way of developing your walk with God you really need to be a student of the word of God So ke kopa ho ke ona taba ke batlang ho le phepheletsa yona hore ha re sheba ho ithuteng lentswela modimo o hloka hore o be moithuti ya hlwahlwa wa lentswela modimo not just read the bible isn't fela ho bala empa ho ithuta but you must study it you must examine it you must understand what the bible says o tlamele o ithute o le hlahlobe e be o tlisise hore na lentswela modimo le boa ka eng amen hallelujah so i'm going to now you see one of, one of the things that I'm hoping to achieve is to make you curious in the things that I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Then the other thing that I, I want to move quickly to talk about guidance. 
In the book of Psalms 119, verse 105, David says that the word of God is a lamp unto his feet. In the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to verse 6, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. The Bible says we must not lean on our own understanding, but in everything to acknowledge God. So we must rely on God's guidance. And then I'm going to ask someone to read Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. And Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Proverbs 15, verse 22. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Proverbs 15. Uh, without counsel, plans go away. But in multitude of counselors, they are established. And then Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so does a friend sharpen a friend. In other, vers in other versions it says... As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens the countenance of his friend. So that is the face of his friend. So I think when you look at the four pieces of scripture that I've read, or rather that I've referred to, firstly the Bible says that the word of God should be a lamp unto our feet. So as we walk in life, we should get our counsel from the word of God. So the word of God must be telling us how we need to walk on an everyday life. So we need, that's why it's very important that as a Christian, you should prioritize the study of the word of God. And then in the book of Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6, it says in everything that you do, you must not lean on your own understanding, but you must seek God. You must, you must, you must, you must seek God. God must be your guide. God must be, God must be the one who directs the things that you do. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. So this is a prayer that I've learned to pray. Is that God would reveal his will for my life to me? And that I should be comfortable, well, not comfortable, I should be courageous enough to do that which he directs me to do. I don't always get it right. 
But I think it's important that in our walk with God. That we should seek to live in His will. Whatever that will is. And it's not always going to be easy. Because the will of God is God's will. And it can be contrary to what your flesh desires. Amen. Now, the other thing that the Bible says, and these two verses says, where there is multitude of counsel, that's uh, Proverbs 15:22. Where there is multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. And then he says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the countenance of his friend. I'm a firm believer in community. Community. I'm a firm believer in living a life that is accountable. You see, I believe God brings people into your life for a purpose. So that these are people that I will walk hand in hand with. And these are people that are going to help me to traverse life. To travel. To, yeah. So there are, I believe that as a, as, an, as a person in life, there should be people that you are able to go to. People that when you need to make big decisions in your life, you can talk to them. You see, people that are not going to say to you, yes, my friend, go for it. People that will ask you questions. People that will ask you difficult questions. So, you see, uh, young people, when, when you have proper friends, these are people that when you go to as a brother, and you say to him, uh, upside down. And then they ask you, And they ask you, is that lady born again? They don't ask you, eh, how does she look? Is she, you know? Yeah. The first question they ask you is she born again? And you believe for this is the person that God has for you? Is this a person that is going to hold your hand and walk with you towards what God has called you to? So that's those are relationships that you need in your life. 
So when, when you are married, How so yet? and then you go to Tabis, and you say to Tabis, hey, you know, and then he doesn't say to me, yeah, she must know who you are the head of the family. He must, yeah, he must ask you, Horbat, you, my brother, Mpo. Do you love your wife as Christ loves the church? Do you serve your wife? You see, so he's not just going to say to you, no, my brother, that woman must know who you are the head, and she must listen to Stakosaharo Kamunto. So these are people that I believe each and every one of us must have. People that you can take the deepest things in your life to. People that after you have said something to them. So he doesn't go to Muahir. Hey, my brother, you know that brother needs prayer, man. Let's we need to pray for that brother. But someone that you can trust with your life. And I believe God brings these people into our lives as a way of guidance. You see, the Bible says pride comes before the fall. My observation ne, is that a lot of times particularly in marriage people come to pastors about their marriage problems when they have decided they are calling it quits. When they have, so what they are looking for effectively is confirmation. Confirmation. You see, when you when you dig deep and you try to find out Omar, why did it take so long for this person to come? It's because at the root of it is pride. Because I want to create a particular perception. So when people look at me. They see this great husband. This guy who loves his wife. This guy who loves his kids. But in fact, there are problems at home. Because I'm a proud man. I cannot go and lean against a brother's shoulder. And say to him, my brother, I'm pulling heavy. Can you help me? Can you hold my hand? And help me through this situation. And say to him, pray with me. Support me. Tell me if I'm going wrong. And because the intervention is early, 
then you have an opportunity to redeem the situation ona le bogoni ba hore kalong ya mo mathata kalang o gone ho ho avoida dintho tsengata and and you see it even goes to a point where you don't have to wait until there are problems because oftentimes when you do things i don't think anyone i think most of us you know most of the things that we do we actually so you i think for most of us we are not going to do things that we know to be wrong but because you are in the middle of a situation we just do things right but someone who's outside the situation can be objective enough to tell you my brother the route that you are traveling that you are traveling is leading you one way and it's a towards destruction that's why i say to you where there's multitude of counsel there is wisdom and as iron sharpens iron one man sharpens the countenance of his friend so the essence of the discipline of guidance is to understand that god speaks to us through his word god speaks through to us through the holy spirit but in addition to that God brings people into our lives to assist us walk this life with. People that can help us with, with, with wisdom. People that when we start taking a particular direction can say to us, but be careful. Amen. Amen. I move on to the discipline of okay let me talk about submission okay can someone read for us mark chapter 8 verse 34 mark chapter 8 verse 34 you see this is this is one of those disciplines ne submission tailoring if we are not very careful we can end up with a lot of abuse oh I think I think uh, most of us have seen things that happen particularly in churches. Where people are abused in the name of submission. Submission is a biblical discipline. However, submission must be in line with the word of God. So, no one has the right to abuse anyone in the name of submission. Touch not the anointed of 
God. That's what we're saying. So we must be very careful when we talk about submission. Or we don't end up with abuse. Okay, can we read? Mark 8 from 34. When he had called the people to himself, with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Amen. So really the essence of submission is about self-denial. So it's about, you know, when you say I have a right to something, I have a right to be heard. When someone offends you, when someone does something that's wrong to you, is the ability to say it's fine. I will not hold a grudge. I will forgive. I do not always have to have my way. Richard Foster says, freedom of submission is experienced in our ability to lay down the constant need to have our way. So the freedom of submission is experienced on our ability to lay down our constant need to have our own way. So to do, yeah, so it's, it's, it's like you don't want, you know that we, we all have this constant need for it. I should have my way. If I want it this way, it should be this way. So it's like, for example, uh, let me see. Yeah, you are there. I'll, I'll, I'll use you as an example. Not that you do this. So it's like if you are a worship team, you are a worship leader. Ne? And then the elders say to you, given that you are a worship leader, we need you to dress in a particular way. And then when you say no, you see, it is for freedom that Christ set me free. That's true, right? But submission says to you, you have you are being led. There's someone who has authority over your life. And this person is asking you to deny yourself. So that we can achieve a, you can achieve a bigger purpose. We all accept there's nothing in the Bible that says you must uh, wear a skirt when you are standing here. By the way, I'm not saying what people must not wear trousers. Let's let's get that clear. I, I'm making an example. But you see, 
submission is only about submitting to authority ne I think most of us particularly husbands we can, we quote Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 22 with our eyes closed it says husbands must love their wives no it starts by saying wives must submit to their husbands for the husband is the head of the family of the wife, is it five? Okay, Ephesians chapter five from verse, uh, verse twenty-two. You are going to project it. So it says, husbands must sorry, wives must submit to their husbands because the husband is the head of the wife. That's what it says. Yes. And then verse 1 says, I mean verse 21 says, verse 21. It says, ah, my God. Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. So before Paul says, wives must submit to their husbands. He instructs that we must submit one to each other out of reverence for Christ. So submission is not just about husbands, well rather wives submitting to their husbands in the context of marriage. It's, it's about the ability of all of us submitting one to each other. It's about our ability to prefer the other over me. No, me preferring the other over me. So I take my interest and I subordinate it to someone else's interest. Yes. Submission is not about position. Submission is not about this one has authority over this one. It's not only about that. So it's about as a Christian being able to prefer someone else over you. It's about your ability to honor another person ahead of yourself. Submission is not self-hatred. Submission is not about self-contempt. It's to say, it's not about saying we are worthless. So you see, sometimes when you submit, you feel like, Mara, I have a right to stand up for myself. Ha, 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 
Yes. Submission is about saying, I will let it go. I will not pursue what is, uh, 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 how do I put it? There's, there's a word that I'm looking for. Okay. That's that's fine. You see in the book of Philippians chapter two, verse four to verse seven. Philippians chapter two, verse four to verse seven. The Bible teaches that Christ was God in every way. Was God in every way. Yeah. But he submitted himself to the will of God up to the point of dying on the cross. Amen. Amen. So submission is, 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 you see the Bible when it, talks, when it comes to leadership, the Bible teaches us about seventh leadership. So when you are a leader, you serve others. How so you are not leading so that you can be saved. When you are a husband, you have a responsibility to save your wife. To lay down your life as Christ laid down his life for the church. Amen, Bazalwan. So it's about preferring others ahead of yourself. So as I said at the beginning of uh, my talk, my hope is that you will get this book and you will study these things in depth. Simplicity. I think I think this this is one of the most challenging disciplines probably for us Christians. Well, not for us Christians, but for all of us. Because you see, simplicity starts from the inside. And then we see the fruits of simplicity on the outside. Simplicity, I think in the context of what I'm talking about, the danger of this discipline is that we focus on the outside and we don't really do a proper job on the inside. So this is what Foster says. Inward real, so simplicity is an inward reality that results in outward lifestyle. Without inward reality. Outward simplicity becomes legalism. Amen. Uh, my sister, I want to read this thing, but I think it's going to be very challenging. To... Let's, let's hear. If okay. If so I'm going to read this. Ne? And please, Bazalwane, bear with me. Uh, I, I, I really want to read it. 
it's also a quote from the same book. This is what it says. Simplicity begins in inward focus and unity. Experiencing inward reality liberates us outwardly. Speech becomes truthful and honest. The last, the last for status and position is gone because we no longer need status and position. We cease, sorry, we cease from showy extravagance, not on the grounds of being unable to afford it, but on the grounds of principle. Our goods becomes available to others. So effectively what it says is when we have come to live lives that are simple, we start first by the state of our hearts. What are the things that have captured your heart? What are the things that are important to you? And it's only you who can know that. You can put up all the pretenses, but it's only you who knows what are the things that have captured your heart. And when we have that experience of simpleness, of simplicity within ourselves, then it becomes very easy for us to leave it on the outside. And often we see this in the sort of material things that we focus our lives on. So, so this is this is where we start to see the reality of simplicity. What Foster says basically is that when you live a simple life, we no longer care about how we appear and how we are seen. We no longer buy things so that someone will say, Ish, damano driver, verpa. We no longer buy clothes so that when I come to church on Sunday, people say, Adamani, Ojakoti, in 999. Because we, we realize that what God has called us to. Is to a relationship with him. Is to pursue knowing him. Is to pursue a life that glorifies him. And really God doesn't care. And I'm going to put it like that. He doesn't really care about which label you wear. Which car you drive. And what your address is. You see, there's something that I learned when I was reading this called asceticism. So, asceticism says when you are a Christian, Nothing else matters. 
but only your spirituality that is not simplicity that is not simplicity that is not simplicity oh that, and i wanted to understand what you are saying that's, that's not simplicity. Simplicity is about enjoying the possessions that God has given you without holding fast to them. You see, simplicity is about saying when God has blessed me. God didn't bless me for me, my family, my dogs, and my cats. God has blessed me so that his kingdom will be established. So that my neighbor who is hungry I can be an instrument that God uses to meet the need. You see, simplicity says, I will not sacrifice everything. In pursuit of wealth. Oh, I will not sacrifice my values so that I can win a tender so that my family you know they say uh, I don't know if it's true when their dad comes home when they see their dad they think it's an uncle. <laughs> because they see him once in a while. Because this man's pursuit in life is wealth. <laughs> <laughs> you see, but simplicity says to us whatever God gives me I will enjoy but not at the sacrifice of everything else simplicity says I can live life without amassing things you know, I, I often I often think think like this, ne? How do people get how pe- how do people end up being indebted? When I say indebted, how do people you know when the Bible says when you are in debt you are a slave to those that owe you? So how, how do we end in that state? And I think often it's because we pursue 
things that we can do without you see someone said to you if you are a chartered accountant you cannot drive a Yaris you must drive every par so then you, you 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 know when people say I have arrived now I feel that I have arrived Someone said this it gets quoted a lot I don't know who said this uh, but it says the sad thing is that we buy things with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like I buy you really that we don't even like so that's that's what simplicity is the opposite of so that's why i'm saying to you you see when you when you talk about simplicity you must be careful or you don't make up rules. Yeah. Because you see, this is this is the reality. When you see uh, who can I use as an example? Yourself. No, not me. <laughs> when you see Moahine, how a driver ranger. <laughs> you don't know how he gets to drive a range. You don't know. How deep? So please. Don't say, ah, if Mari drives a range, and I must go and drive what was the other one. Me, I must I hear Mercedes Benz has released the badge. I must buy the the what? X class. I must go and buy an X class because Moahi and it drives a range. And you don't know this man paid cash for his car. How the Burundate or Batu? Ubuligile Chelde High, Avishamana Bafa Chelde Abona Colena, high, high colot. Well, now Helisita Hanya, our interest rates are going up by 0.25%. You stop tithing. You have this stress. But now they don't say anything. So, really, the point that I'm trying to make in conclusion, let's understand our lives ought not to be complicated. You see, the Bible in the book of First Timothy, chapter six, verse nine. chapter six, verse nine. It says, "Many fall into temptation in pursuit of riches." That's why 
There's nothing wrong with wealth in itself. As a matter of fact, we know many people in the Bible that were very wealthy. And God used that wealth to establish his own kingdom. Before I read this, let me say this again. Spiritual disciplines are not about rules. It's about creating an environment to connect with God. So quickly, these are the ten things that foster suggests that you look into as a way of establishing simplicity in your life. One. Buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Reject anything that is producing an addiction in Develop a habit of giving things away. Refuse to be propagandized, huh? propagandized by the custodians of modern gadgetry. What is how many of you have smartphones? Can I can I ask a quick question? How many of you have smartphones? You know, smartphones are supposed to be okay. Smartphones are supposed to be a tool. That helps us to be more productive. But I think the idea of smartphones is the worst thing that has ever happened to humankind. And, and I hear a lot of people say, and I'm guilty of this, ne? I hear people saying young people. This is not young people, it's everyone. And everyone. You sit in what is supposed to be family time. iPhone. <laughs> Samsung S8. I mean, the worst part of it is you drive in traffic. You drive in the morning in traffic. Oh, you just drive. Yes. And you, you, you observe. There's a driver who's driving. And then there's a passenger next to the driver. Okay, that part I didn't say. And Facebook or WhatsApp or Instagram or Twitter and all of those things. So you see, in my view, these smartphones 
have destroyed community. Have destroyed fellowship. Yeah. You know, so I know this happens in my bedroom. I don't know in other people's bedrooms. You, you go to bed. No, I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. And then you are on your phone. You are either reading WhatsApp or Facebook or some other things. Yeah, even the Bible because now it's in the in the book itself as well. You are reading the Bible and it's like, when do you get to talk as husband and wife? Hmm? So, so I think that's, that's the essence of this point. Please, let us not complicate our lives with this gadgetry. Number five. You must learn to enjoy things without having to own them. You must learn to own things without having to, I mean, to enjoy things without having to own them. Huh? Okay, I don't know. So, so someone, someone asked, someone asked, how? Ne? Someone asked, how? I have, I have had con- discussions with friends. So, let me use Mpwenko as example. So, we have two girls. Ne? And it's me and her. And then we go and spend one and a half million rands buying a car. 1.1 1. 1 million. 1. 1.5 million. Buying a big car. And then Tabiso asks, why do you spend such kind of money on a car? And then he's, and I say, no, you see, when we go on holiday, ne? I have space to to put to put stuff. And then says, so how often do you guys go on holiday? And then I say, ah well, twice at most, once maybe in a year. You know So what happens if you were to take your Polo, drive all the way to Deben, or not even that. If that once or twice when you go on holiday, you were to rent a car from Avis, go down to the beach, or to Kruger's door, Pilani's bag, and come back. So the, the essence of what I'm really saying is this. Ne? Let us not be enslaved by things. Let us make sure we buy things for their bed. And then quickly he says develop a deeper appreciation for creation. Husbands and wives. 
bomele bontathu Learn to walk, you know, take a walk. generations and other things. You just go and take a walk, hold hands. Look with a healthy skepticism at buy now, pay later schemes. Credit cards. Oh, Obey Jesus' instructions about plain, honest speech. Reject anything that breeds oppression of others. Shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. As I said, as I said, be careful not to turn these things into legalism. Think about them. Think about what they can do for your life. Think about what happens when you take away all these distractions from you. And you just focus on your relationship with God. Amen. I hope, I hope one day we will talk extensively about this issue of simplicity, what it means. And I really encourage you to... There's another book that Richard Foster wrote that's called The Freedom of Simplicity that I would encourage you guys to read. It's called the freedom of simplicity. Because yeah, living a simple life. I don't live a simple life myself, but I think that living a simple life it's a it's, it's the best freedom you can ever have. I strive towards getting there. Yeah, I try, my sister. I'm not there yet. Uh, I took a lot of time, but uh, Amen. So you get the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. There's Money, Sex and Power for you young people. These are very good books. Personally, they have helped me. There's prayer. We'll just remind you. Actually, if we had time, I would say to you, take out your phones now. Google Celebration of Discipline and download the PDF because there's a PDF as well. The PDF is not detailed. Amen. So, now we will have that. Uh, so, you remember what I said? You can't cover all these things, but it's stuff you need. So we'll just let him cover a few things. That's the point.
That's why we try to teach you all these things. Because when you get more money, you, you elevate your cost of living. No, black men were as well. Black men are more fat. I'm not sure. I'm not all this time go woolies again. No. I'm not sure. 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 I'm not what? Because one day we discussed it with my wife that the money we chow today is the future of our children. Tell it today. When whites give their kids something, when you have nothing to give. But if you were simple, there are people who pay a car. With the money, they could be paying two houses. You know that? What's the point? The point is, he's a black man. So let's stop being... Let's wisen up. Let's, let's get used to having money without feeling the need to spend it. <laughs>